0: Second Samuel chapter six. 2 Samuel chapter six. This morning, I want to read a short story to you, and then I just want to talk to you a little bit, speak from the heart a little bit, and we're going to talk about a character in the Bible. His name was Obed Edom. I've preached a whole message on this guy before, and I don't want to repreach preach that message. But Obed-Edom, he's an interesting character that I think we can learn a lot of good lessons from. But in 2 Samuel chapter 6, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but do you remember the Philistines? They had taken the Ark of the Covenant, and when they had the Ark of the Covenant, God cursed the Philistines. They were having, God smote them with emrods. Today we call those things hemorrhoids, and that was not a pleasant thing. And they decided they wanted to get rid of that thing, and they gave the Ark back. And as they were carrying the ark of the covenant back, they weren't carrying it the way that God had commanded them to do it. And they were—it was supposed to be carried by the priest, and they had put it on some oxen. And one of the oxen stumbled, and when he did, a man named Uzzah went and he tried to steady the ark. And when he did, the Lord got angry and smote Uzzah, and he killed him that day. And David he got scared; he was scared of the Lord that day, and he. They stopped carrying the ark and they went and they took it and they put it in the house of a man named Obed-Edom. And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 9, it says, And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of the God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. So right here we see this man, Obed-Edom. Notice he was a Gittite. And there was another very famous person in the Bible who was a Gittite, and his name was Goliath. Goliath of Gath. He is referred to in one part of the Bible as a Gittite, a Philistine. I don't know if you all realize this, but Obed-Edom is a Philistine. The Philistines were always enemies of Israel. But notice that when Obed-Edom, David, he's scared, and that he allowed them to keep the Ark of the Covenant in his house. And while he, it was there, God was blessing Obed-Edom in a great way. And you know... A lot of these, some of the things about Obed-Edom, I don't know, conclusions, things I've came to, the Bible's not specific on what his thinking was, what happened. But if you go through, if you just do a search, uh, if you have one of those uh, Bible software programs, you do a search of Obed-Edom, you will see him mentioned several times throughout the books of 2 Samuel and Chronicles. And every time you see Obed-Edom, he's always around the Ark of the Covenant. He's as close as he can get to it. And I remember as a little kid, I remember when I heard this story, and I remember hearing about the blessings that he received when he had the Ark of the Covenant in his house. And I remember thinking, that must have really stunk when David came and took the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, can you imagine having that in your house? And obviously, he knew it wasn't his. I don't think he would have tried to keep it. But we see, though, and years later, as I'm studying this man... I see that everywhere you see Him mentioned, He is close to the Ark of the Covenant. We can conclude from all these things in the Bible. We're not going to read through all the Scriptures. We don't have time. But when the Ark of the Covenant was taken from His house, you know what He did? He followed the Ark of the Covenant. He followed it wherever He went. We see that this man, he was a Philistine from Gath, a Gittite. That's an inhabitant of Gath. We see this Ark was brought to His house. He received the blessings of the Lord. And only Levites were supposed to be the ones around the Ark of the Covenant. They were the only ones that were supposed to handle it. Obed Edom, he's not even a Jew. And yet God is blessing him when it's there. We see that we see from the Bible that the Ark of the Covenant, it was supposed to remain in the Holy of Holies in the Tabernacle. And only Levites were allowed around there. But when we see Obed Edom, we see that he just wanted to get as close as he could. And he took whatever job he could get. The Bible doesn't tell us about this, but I believe that when they went to take the Ark of the Covenant, he went to David and said, Listen, I understand the presence of the Lord is with this. I want to be near it. And we see, if you read through all the references, we don't have time to look at all of them, that we see he was a janitor, was one of his jobs that he had there in the tabernacle near the Ark. He was one of the musicians. That was a job only for the Levites. And this man's not even a Jew, and he gets this job. We see that he was a doorkeeper specifically for the tabernacle. There's only two guys got to do that job. I mean, this guy, wherever he could get close to the ark, that was where he was at. And we see that the Lord continued to bless him. As you read references to him, he had many sons. and It's naming all his sons, and it says, "...for the Lord blessed him." And not only did he work around the Ark of the Covenant, his sons worked around the Ark of the Covenant. His grandsons worked around the Ark of the Covenant. He figured out there's something special about the house of the Lord and he wanted to be near it. He wanted his family to be near it. And the Lord blessed this house. Every time you see Obed-Edom mentioned, he's always being blessed. Every time his family was blessed. Obed, the name Obed means servant. Obed-Edom means servant of Edom. Okay, he was probably a slave for another country. Now he's working for Israel. Now he's working for the house of the Lord. And an interesting thing, you know, we don't think you know a servant, that's not a big status thing, is it? But we see that, you know, being a servant of the Lord is no small thing. And one of Obed-Edom's son, if we it took time to read all the scriptures, you know what he named his son? Obed. Why? I think these people figure out you know, there's nothing wrong with being a servant when you're a servant of God. He's not, they didn't name him Obed-Edom because he wasn't a servant of Edom, but he was a servant to God. A man who was not qualified by his very race, by his birth, we see this guy, he didn't let that stop him. He just did whatever he could. And God blessed this man In a great way. Obed-Edom, he had every excuse to just sit on the sidelines. He had every excuse to just be a spectator. But he wanted to get in on the game. And I might be speculating a little bit here, but you know what? It's very clear when we read through the Bible that people feared Israel. I mean, we see all the time references to how... The other nations they feared them because it was clear that God was on their side. It was clear that God was blessing them. God saw, you know, the world saw what God had done to the Egyptians, and it caused the other nations to fear. And I have no doubt in my mind there were many people that would kind of watch Israel and think, "Man, there's something special about them. I would like to be a part of that." But they didn't think they had any way of being a part of that. They, you could say, they were kind of a fan of Israel. But they weren't really a part of the team. And you know what? We've got a lot of people today that are out there in the world. They're kind of sitting on the sidelines. They watch us. They're watching what's going on. And you could even say they're fans of ours, but they're not really a part of the team. You know, I I talk to people all the time and I'll tell them you know, I'll be out knocking doors and inviting people or I'll just be in a random place. I was at the barbershop the other day and I was talking to a guy and he was asking what I do and I mentioned that I was a pastor of a church. And, and it's amazing how many people when I tell them I'm a pastor and I tell them about how we started the church, they'll tell me, all, man, that's wonderful. And they'll cheer me on and they'll talk about how, how, great, how great that is. And I'll like, hey, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to church. Hey, why don't you, why don't you come visit our church? Uh, yeah. You know, they're all for us. You know, They'll cheer us on. They'll talk about how great we are. But they're not willing to join up. They're not willing to be a part of it. And there's a lot of reasons. Sometimes people, because of their past, they feel like they can't be. You know, we've got to teach them, you know, hey, the Lord can forgive your sins, He can change your life. He did it with Obed Edom. Obed Edom, he did not qualify. He was not even a Jew, let alone a Levite. And yet, he got to work in the house of the Lord. And you know, it doesn't matter what people have done in the past. God can forgive their sins. He can save them. He can change their life. He can put them to service. And they can do a great work for the Lord. They can be a part of this team. And But we, we've we got to teach people that. But a lot of people, they're they're just kind of content. Just sitting on the sidelines. There's a, And I want to ask you a question, Dave. When it comes to this church, are you a part of the team? Or are you just a fan? Let me tell you, I like fans, okay? I'm 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 glad when people are for us. I'm glad when people aren't working against us. I've had people before, I've been out knocking doors, and these people, oh man, that's great what you're doing. They have no interest in coming to church at all, but then they'll like give me leads. Hey, you need to go talk to these people. You know, they might be interested, and it's like you know, I appreciate your help. I appreciate you cheering me on, but hey, you seem so passionate about this, why don't you come? I've told people before, I talked to a lady one time. She had visited this church one time and she wanted her kids to get in church. She wanted her kids to get in church really bad. You know, I told her, I was like, well, you know, it would help if you would come. Well, you know, see if you can get them. And, you know, she gave me their address and I went and visited them and stuff. But I told her, I said, listen, they're going to be much more likely to come if you're here, you know, than if you're not here. You have more influence over your kids than this guy who's a perfect stranger. And it's like, you know, yeah, go, go out there, win the loss, go win my kids. You know, I'll cheer you on, but I'm not going to help. You know, and that's how a lot of people are. Even sitting in church, sometimes they are kind of a fan, but they're not really a part of the team. And listen, I'm not going. To, I'm not going to. I don't want to name any names today. I don't want to like you know give people praise. But I thank God for all the people that are here who are a part of the team and who contribute. And I, you know, and I'm careful. I, I don't like to complain because I don't ever want to discourage the team. I appreciate those who are in the fight, who are involved, and I never want to discourage them. But I'm not, and I'm not, saying, I'm not going to say anything that I say today to discourage anybody, but it's, I want to encourage other people to maybe get involved and be a part of the team because we need you. We need every one of you. Churches today are dying all over the place. It is sad what is going on in the houses of God today. We can't have this. We, we need workers. We need Team members, fans, they're one thing, but we need we need team members, you know. And so, what can you do from going to being just a fan, somebody who's cheering everybody else on, to one who's actually contributing? I like going to games. I enjoy watching a ball game. I I enjoy. It. I like being a fan is fun, but you know, I think it's more fun playing. I think it's more fun being a part of the team. I can't tell you how many times I've watched my you know, boys and stuff out playing basketball games and they're struggling and doing bad, not playing the game right. And I just want to run out there sometime and go play for them. But, you know, I'm not qualified. I'm too old. You know, I'm not in school anymore. And that, That's happened many times. And, you know, here's the thing. With what we're doing right here, anybody could be a part of this team. You don't have to sit on the sidelines and just cheer us on. If you don't like how something's going, you can get in on it. You can get involved. You can participate. So, you know, many call themselves Christians that are out there, today, but they never go to church. It's amazing how many people are out there, you know, knocking on doors. That guy I talked to, I talked to a guy at the barber shop, and I was telling, you know, he mentioned or I told him how oh, I'm a pastor, and he's like, "That's great," and you know, he's talking about how wonderful that is, and so I was like, "So, where do you go to church?" Oh, I haven't gone in a long time. I was like, well, why don't you come to ours then? You know, I told him where we were at. He knew where it was at. I told him what time we have service. It's been like three weeks since then. I haven't seen him yet. <laughs> and, I, you know, man, I'm glad he was cheering me on. I'm glad he didn't say, ah, oh, that's stupid. What a waste of time. No, he talked about how great it was. He's cheering me on, but I haven't seen him here yet. He hasn't gotten involved. Probably sitting at home doing nothing. And you know what? The guy might be saved. But who's he helping sitting at home doing nothing? Nobody. Not encouraging me. I'm not motivated by that. You all aren't motivated by that. Nobody's motivated by that. He's not getting any spiritual food from that. Well, maybe he's watching a sermon on TV. Well, how is he going to exhort the brethren from watching a sermon on TV? He's not going to help anybody doing that. That's not church. You need to be in the house of God amongst the people of God. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, the third commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh His name in vain. Many times, people associate taking God's name in vain with blasphemy. With using God's name in an inappropriate way. But the truth is, blasphemy, the Bible always says there's forgiveness for blasphemy. Except for blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. But when the Bible says the Lord will not hold him guiltless of taking his name in vain, what's that talking about? I believe it's similar to a woman when you get when she marries a man, she takes his name. My wife when she married me, she took my name. So you know what she's supposed to act like my wife, not somebody else's wife. She's supposed to you know do the duties of a wife for me, not someone else. And there's people out there who say they are a Christian who have taken the name of Christ on themselves. But it's been empty. It's been in vain. They're doing nothing with it. They're not serving God with it. Maybe they're serving false gods with it. I believe that's taking his name in vain. Listen, if you say you're a Christian, do the world a favor and act like a Christian. Do the world a favor and represent a Christian in a good way. Represent God. There's things that he expects from his people. But you know, they're fans of teams in word only. Okay? For, for years now, I've been saying I'm a Cub fan, but I never really did much about it until last year when, you know, there was the fair weather. I'm a, I'll am admit it, I'm a fair weather fan when it comes to baseball. I'm a Bears fan. But you know how many games I watched this year when they were struggling? Zero. I didn't, I didn't watch one Bears game. Why? They stink. Who wants to watch that? You know, that's. So I'm not even a good fan in that area, but there's a lot of people that that's kind of how they are. If things are going good in Christianity and a church, they're there. You can count on them. But when things are tough, you can't count on them. They're nowhere to be found. You know, they're, and, but there are some fans, you know, they're serious. It doesn't matter how bad the team's doing. It doesn't matter what the weather's like. There's going to be there. You know, there are fans who dress like they're fans of a, of a specific team. You know, it's amazing how much Baptists get called legalistic if they start talking about dress and stuff. But you know, we don't think anything of going to a Cubs game and knows how everybody wears blue. And you know, we notice how everybody dresses a certain way there. I mean, some of these places, they're so legalistic and people are so extreme that they even paint their bodies the color of that team. I mean, what in the world was going on there? Some of these people, they'll get tattoos of the team logo on their body and they say we're extreme. I mean, I saw a, th- a video one time they were talking about like religious extremists in areas and comparing them with Fans of ball teams—it was amazing the similarities of some of these, you know, fans of teams and people in different cults and things. It was pretty—it was pretty crazy. But you know what? Fans—you know—if you're—if you're really for something, you're not afraid to look like it. There are fans that show up at games that cheer the people on. But you know what? We need people to be cheering on those who've gotten involved and participate in the work of the church. It's amazing how many people come into church and they criticize everybody else while they're doing nothing. Listen, we don't need that at all. Nobody needs that. But you know, what we need are the fans, what we're looking for. We want fans, but we want fans who eventually become part of the team. Think about that. I mean, that real hardcore fan of a ball team. Back when I was a real Cub fan, a diehard Cub fan, when I was a little kid, I used to imagine playing for the Cubs. Think of how great that would be. But you know what? Even now, if I went back to that, at this point in my life, it's too late. If I devoted my life to baseball, I would probably never make a professional baseball team. Probably never. If I devoted the rest of my life to football, I would never make a football team. It's just physically impossible. I'm too small and too scared of getting pummeled by them guys. (laughs) I I couldn't do it. But you know what? People have that same attitude when it comes to the things of God and being involved on the Christian team. But let me tell you, God can use any of us. It doesn't matter. It's not too late for anybody to be a part of of this team and to get active and to get involved and we do we want people cheering us on. We want fans, but we want them to eventually become part of the team. We want them to get actively involved. And we see that you know Obed Edom, he was a former enemy of Israel. He was a Philistine. Look what and look what Romans chapter five and verse eight says. Romans chapter five and verse eight. Many people they have this attitude, no, it's too late for me. I can't do anything. Romans 5.8 says, But God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Why are we being saved from wrath? Because God was mad at us because of our sin. God is going to pour His wrath out in this world someday because of sin. But thank God, He died on the cross. When we accepted Christ, He saved us. We've been saved from wrath. God was mad at us at one time. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to, God, reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we should be saved by His life. Y'all see that when we were enemies. We used to be enemies of God. But we're not anymore. And you know what? Okay, you might think, I'm an enemy right now. Well, guess what? You don't have to stay that way. You can get saved. You can get forgiveness. You can be a servant of God. The Apostle Paul who wrote that, he was an enemy of God. He persecuted the church. He persecuted Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus, when He met Him on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? An enemy of God, and yet he became one of the greatest servants of God that we've ever seen. He became a part of the team. One who was an enemy at one time. And you know what? Many people today, they claim to be a part of the team. And this is one of, see, some of the things you can do Once to be a part of the team is you know, being here, being active, being involved. It makes a difference more than you'll ever know. Just your presence. It, it matters. You matter. Every one of you matter. You might think I don't matter. Let me you, that's the devil telling you that. I promise every one of you matter to me. It helps me having you here to preach to. I will preach this message better to people than to a room with nobody in it. I, it it's easier. It's better. It encourages me. It helps me. I, I feel like I'm a part of the team and it is, it is great having people who are working with me. Nobody likes doing something by themselves. What do we do when we're by ourselves working sometimes? Sometimes we get kind of lazy, don't we? Sometimes we kind of slack off. But when you're work when you're working with other people, they motivate you, they encourage you. When you see other people working hard, you know, you feel bad getting lazy. And I'm telling you, you, just your presence, it makes a difference. And everything. Look, even we've got our spring cleaning day coming up. Even something like that. You say I can't do that much. Just you being here. And helping, say, well, I'm getting old and I can't do much. Well, guess what? If you're here, you know, if you're in your 70s or 80s and you're here helping, guess what? That's going to do to all the young people? like, man, I was going to stay home and not do nothing, but I'm really going to look like a loser if I'm too lazy to do it. When people twice my age are doing it, you're going to motivate the young people to step up. You know, it's pretty sad. You know, this younger generation, their lack of willingness to do anything. It's amazing how many churches that are out there today. That I mean, it's being run by senior citizens. And thank God for those senior citizens, but where's the next generation? Where are they at? Where are the young people getting involved in helping? You would think seeing them, elderly people doing all the work, would convict them and would light a fire under them and make them want to get out and do something but boy, some people are just pathetic and won't do it. That said, thank God for those senior citizens that do that. But boy, we need a younger generation too. And you know what? You seniors, you can you can motivate. You can help in that area. Many claim to be a member of God's team, but they, they, they're not willing to support it financially. You know, sometimes I just get jealous over the things of the world. You know, sports fans... They have no problem with players getting paid massive amounts of money. I've been trying to figure out what's the, what's the difference here? Why is it... Now listen, I don't think I should get paid millions of dollars. All right? I, I, I'm not that deluded to think that. I don't even think I should make six figures. All right, I obviously don't deserve that. I'd take it, but I don't deserve it. All right? I, I don't think that. Okay, But at the same time, when a preacher does start making a lot of money, People go nuts. But nobody has a problem with a sports player. I mean, hey, how did how did the clubs winning the World Series help anybody's life in here? Actually, it did help mine. You know how much it, I got entertained watching that? It was entertaining. It was exciting. But other than that, it didn't help my life one bit. You know, but yet people have no problem with them getting paid millions of dollars thinking about all these slimeball actors and actresses in Hollywood how whose life was changed by watching superman all right batman versus superman they made a ton of that made movie made a ton of money uh, what was the one there was one this year i thought that just broke a bunch of records for the most star wars i think broke a bunch of records Okay. Whose life got improved and was changed from watching Star Wars? Okay. Nobody's. But you got entertained. And it's, you know what? Entertainment justifies people being millionaires, but people doing something that really makes a difference doesn't. And you know what? But there's preachers out there in the TV world that have figured out how to make a lot of money. And you know who these guys are? Entertainers. They entertain. You know, I got to thinking about this. As I'm studying this. I'm starting to get mad. I'm like, you know what? Do you want know what the reality is? today? you know, in the previous generation, this was the hierarchy in church. Preacher was king. Everyone else was servants. And you know, I don't agree with that. I'm a part of the team. All right, I'm I'm with you all. And I think that this generation has gotten more that way. But now it's reversed. And you know what the hierarchy is now? Everyone in the pews are the king, and the preacher is the court jester. So, what do you mean by that? Well, sometimes I feel like if I don't do a good enough job getting up here and entertaining y'all, I'm going to lose you. All right, now y'all aren't going to cut off my head or anything like maybe a king would or a court jester, but you know what? I mean, it's like that for a lot of preachers. Oh man, if I I got to make sure I don't offend anybody, I got to make sure I entertain people, or they're not going to come back. If I don't keep people happy, they're going to quit giving. I'm going to lose my job. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Well, they didn't like that message I preached on sin. I got a lot of people mad because I nailed their hide to the wall. So, uh, you know what? Maybe I should tell a few more jokes. And so, you know, and they're, they're trying to find jokes. Uh, you know, we've got to find a way to make the music more entertaining. And, oh, man, if I don't learn to sing on key, you know, the people are, if I keep singing these boring hymns, I'm going to lose people. And I've got to figure out how to entertain people. And so they do. They come to church every week and they're doing these little song and dances and trying not to do anything that'll make anybody get offended, not to make anybody feel uncomfortable. And, all right, and it, I thought about wearing a court jester hat while I preach this message today. Except I thought I really looked stupid. You know, I thought about maybe getting some balls. I can juggle three balls at one time. It's like you got to do a juggling act. Alright, what do I got to do to entertain everybody, to keep people smiling, to keep them happy, so they'll put something in the offering plate, so they'll come back to church, so I'll still have a job. And that's what they're doing. They're bending over backwards trying to keep everybody happy. And then they go and they preach something. Somebody doesn't like it. They forget to shake somebody's hand. That person doesn't come back. And what do they got to do? They got to put on their court jester outfit. They got to go over to their house and do a little juggling and an acrobat routine to get the people smiling, to get the people laughing again. And then maybe they'll come back to church and watch his performance there with everybody else and put something in the offering plate. And I'm like, you know what? This is pathetic. And maybe that's why preachers today are doing all this goofy stuff to just go along with the world and dressing like a little trendy and doing their little light shows and putting on their little plays and things instead of just getting up and preaching the Word of God. You know why? Because they're nothing more than a court jester that's meant to entertain all the kings and queens that are out there. And you know what? That's pathetic. That's pretty sad. People look at that pastor and man, you know, it's like, you know, that court jester. You know, that king, he'll whatever he'll tell that court, you know, do this, do that, you know, just do something to entertain me. You know, fall on your face, hurt yourself, do whatever you have to do to make me laugh, and they'll put all these expectations on him, in that court gesture, he'll do whatever he's got to do, because he knows he's in trouble if he makes the king mad. And so it's like that in churches. Not only do they expect the pastor to you know, entertain them and put on a show. But you know, hey, we want the pastor's family to do the same thing too. Boy, if you see the pastors' kids do anything out of line, boy, they'll just you know that you know that pastor, that church, they're no good. You know, I expect this from their kids. they you know, and, and pastors, they shot themselves in the foot with this. But somewhere along the lines, we got the idea that the pastor's wife is the first lady of the church. You ever heard that before? The pastor's the first lady of the church. You know, treat her like royalty. You know, Treat her like a queen. All that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, that's nice, but show me in the Bible where the pastor's wife is a role in the church. Where it's an office in the church. You know what? You know what my wife's job is? It's to be my wife. It's to make me happy. Not all of you happy. I need her to make me happy. Not everybody else. That's not her job. She does not have a biblical role. You can't find that in the Bible. And people do that all the time. They'll put all these expectations on the pastor's wife. And if she doesn't do everything just right, they'll get all offended. They'll leave the church. They'll quit putting their money in the offering plate. You know what? Leave her alone. If you think that it's her job to do something for you, then you know what? Cough up the money right now. You better pay her. You know what? If you think that much, you know what we're going to do? We're going to come up with a price list. We're going to make like a menu. All right, This is what you want from the pastor's wife. This is how much you owe her. Listen, anything that she... And she does a lot around here that is a huge blessing, but you know who she she does that for? For me. Because it helps me. And I thank the Lord for that. And I ask her to do enough. You all don't need to ask her to do anything too. And if you're going to, and you expect that kind of stuff from her? We're making up a menu with prices on it, and we're going to start charging you for it. All right, and so so that's out of line. Well, so is expecting things from her just because she's my wife. Okay, I'm the one that's a pastor. Mine is a biblical position, a biblical role that God gave, and that you there's plenty of expectations that you can put on me. That's fine. Being a court jester is not one of them. Being an entertainer is not one of them. Listen, I figured out a long time ago, I'm not going to mess with taking the trendy path to building a church. I haven't got the skills. I haven't got the talent. I am just there's always going to be people that can put a better show than me. I don't tell jokes that good. I mess them up all the time. I said, I'm not the best-looking guy out there. I know I know that. I've looked in a mirror before. I get all that stuff. But you know what I am? I am a part of a team i 'm a part of god 's team he 's called me to be a pastor of this church and you know what when God called me to be a pastor of a church, you understand that a pastor of a church you can 't be a pastor of the church if there's no people you can 't be a pastor of a church unless there's there's people a church it 's an assembly of believers there 's got to be people working. With me, this is not a one-man show. This is not all on me. You know, it. it you know, think like said. So, quarterbacks in football, I feel sorry for them. All right, whenever a team does bad, everybody piles on them, and it's sad how many of these guys. If you ever listen to these sports talk radio programs, how many of these guys? They'll, you know, these guys in the radio, they will just bash these quarterbacks. And man, I can't believe he threw that interception. I can't believe how bad he is. This guy stinks. He's a bum. And this guy that's sitting there on the radio, he's never played football in his life. He's out of shape. He'd be dead in three seconds if he was in a real football game. And he's talking about everything that guy's done wrong. And you know, we got a lot of those people around churches. They've never pastored before. They've never been a part of the team before. They've never done all the things that are being done around the church that they're criticizing and they don't like. They've never done it themselves. Yet they feel like they're an authority on it. And they go around just bashing. And I thought, man, if I was one of them quarterbacks, I would go find these guys and I would throw a pass as fast as I could right in their face. I mean, just, <laughs> just, I mean, that would, that would just irritate me to no end. Because it irritates me when we have all these armchair pastors that are out there. And listen, man, I care. I try. I I do the best I can, but you know, sometimes people will start noticing when things aren't going good. You know, maybe somebody hasn't been in church in a while. Somebody's got out of church and it's, what'd you do wrong, Pastor? Well, I messed up my juggling act when I went to go visit them. I couldn't juggle four balls at once. I can only do three and I wasn't talented enough, and so they're not coming back. Oh no, they they got they got offended by something I said. You know, they, I mean, just listen. You know, I appreciate that you, as a fan, care whether we win or lose in situations. But you know what? Instead of moaning and complaining about our failures. How about you become a part of the team and get involved? Why don't you help? Why don't you try some of this? Here's a pulpit. You know, come up, try this sometime. You know, see how that works. You know, just try that. You know, those who ask the most usually give the least. You know, I talk about supporting and you know supporting financially. It's it's amazing how disconnected some people are from reality. You know, it's like you know the pastor; he expects to be paid. Listen, things. I'm trying to figure out how to put this in a nice way, but you know, a lot of some of y'all are stuck way back in time with how things work financially and stuff. Okay, if you haven't had kids in a long time, you have no idea how expensive things are. Well, you forget how expensive things are. Okay, this afternoon, some of you might go to the restaurant. You go out to eat. Okay. Maybe you're buying just for yourself. I want you, when you buy that meal in your head, multiply it by eight. Okay. That's what I have to do. All right, If there's two of you, multiply it by four. And think about that. How it, how, that's expensive. Next time you go out and you buy groceries for yourself, multiply it by eight or four. Do the math. Figure that out. It's not an easy thing. Okay. And let me tell you, I love doing what I'm doing. Okay? Nobody asked me to do this. I volunteered to do this. I love doing what I am doing. But let me tell you something, it gets my dander up just a little bit when people who are not contributing financially or physically have something to say. I could care less to hear that from you. Now, if you're part of the team, if you're somebody that's working, if you're somebody that's helping, if you're somebody that's contributing, and thank God for those of you that are. We could not do what we do without you. I could not do what I do without your giving. Couldn't do it. It can't be done. I can't do this by myself. I cannot support a family my size and pastor a church for free. I can't do that. I've got to have have an income. And those of you who contribute, those of you who help, you make that possible. You make it possible for me to get to the hospital to visit people. You make it possible for me to be able to get out and go soul winning like I need to and to make the visits and to go and and do the little juggling acts and things for people to try to make them happy and get them back in church. You make that happen by your help, by your giving. And let me tell you, I don't take that lightly. I don't take it lightly at all. It, it, it means something to me. Those of you who are faithful to church and you are here when I'm preaching, I don't mind hearing things from you, but when somebody's just like, you know, I'm just not learning anything from the church. I'm not getting anything out of it. And you listen to one message a month. Well, you know, especially too, I've had people before, you know, I think you need to preach more on this subject. Oh, well, you know what? Actually, I just did. You weren't there that day. You know, now if you're here all the time, and you're you know you're a part of the team, and you mention that that that's that's one thing for another team member. You know, I see it in ball games where sometimes other team members will start interacting, and you know, hey, you need to do this, and they'll kind of maybe get on each other sometime, and that's fine. But you know, when the fans are all doing it, who cares? You know, the players are usually good at ignoring the fans, but they'll listen to the teammates. Why? Because these guys are there; they're working with them, so they have respect for what they say. And let me tell you, if, if if you're not a part of this team, it's not because nobody wants you. We need everyone we can get. We want you. We want you bad. You know, everybody, everybody wants a pastor. Everybody believes in missionaries. Everybody believes in spreading the gospel, but not everyone's willing to give to make it happen. Everyone expects the church to be nice. They want it to be up to date. They want to have all the modern conveniences. They want to be clean. They want the church to be charitable. It's been amazing how many people have come to me before. You know, the church ought to give and help in this area. You know, the church ought to help out with this and help out with that financially. And these people don't ever give any money. It's like, where do you think all the money comes from that pays for all this stuff? Where do you think that comes from? It comes from people in this room. We don't get outside funds from the government. We don't have a Baptist Vatican that can send us money. This is it. We have zero outside support that comes into this church. It is from the people in this church. Every bit of the money. Our electric bill, it's expensive. Our gas bill, our mortgage, all these things. Every bit of the money for those things comes from people in this church who have said, I am a part of the team and I'm going to help make this happen because I want a nice church. I want a church that has nice carpet the nursery. I want a church that has doors that work right and aren't noisy and a pain in the neck. And so they say, you know what? I'm going to get involved. I'm going to help. There's a lot of people that will complain about the doors. Cough up the money. Nah, I'm going to hang on to it. I got to go buy a DVD so I can get entertained. You know, I, I, I'm gonna, you know, whatever it is that you're into. But you know what? We need we need people who are part of the team. I have so much so much more I want to cover a lot of scriptures, but you know, I, I'm always thankful for fans. I am, but fans, they're not always able to be with the team. You know, in sports, they have their away games too, don't they? Where their fans aren't with them. Where they're in hostile territory. You know what? Well, let me tell you, outside this church, this is the mission is the mission field. It's where it's really at. It's where the real work is done. And it's hostile out there. We don't have a whole lot of fans that are out there. But you know and you know whenever teams are at the away games, you know who they look to? They have to ignore the fans. And you know what they do? They rally around their team members for support. They focus on their team members to keep them motivated we're in that when when they're in that hostile territory and we need those team members cuz it's not all it's not all nice out there. It's nice in here but not out there. And that's where the real work's at. That's where the soul winning goes on and the real witnessing it happens outside these doors. Fans only get to watch the game. That's all they see. The fans they watch the game. They don't see the practices that go into it. You know, they don't see all the work that took It took those players to get to where they can do the things they do. And many people in church, they don't see what all goes on behind the scenes. They don't see what goes into the preparation of a message and the preparation of the music. They don't see what it takes to get the place looking nice and keep the place up to date. They don't see all the behind the scenes stuff that goes on. Fans don't see that. The team members do see that. And they appreciate that. And we see it all the time where the fans are all mad at some teammate But you know what? Maybe the quarterback in the football game. And you'll see how the team members, they always rally around that guy. Oh, well, they're just being loyal because that's what you're supposed to do. No. They have seen all the work that person's put into it. They have been in the game. They understand that it wasn't all their fault. That maybe they failed. They played a part into it. They rally around where the fans are ready to take them out and lynch them all the time. And that happens in church where people who are not a part of the team, just onlookers they'll start bashing everybody in the church, start running things down, running the preacher down, running other workers in the church down, criticizing everything that's done. You know why they did it? Because they didn't see what went on because they're not a part of the team. And if you're, once again, if you're not, it's not because you can't be. Anybody can be a part of the team. If, listen, if God allowed obed Eden to be a part of the team and a, and a member as high as he was, a guy who was not qualified but somehow got the job, God can do that with you. We were once an enemy of God. And you know, so we need people to get involved and realize they are responsible. It's not just on me, folks. You are responsible for this church. A church is not about one man, a church it is an assembly of believers. It is everybody that is a part of this church. You are responsible. If we are going to be the best church, that's up to you. If we're going to be the worst church, it's going, to be because, it's going to be because of you too. It's not just me. Yes, I play a big part in it, and I'm thrilled to do my part, but you know what? It is not, it is not just me. It is not just my family. It is everyone in here, and you need to understand that, and you need to decide, do I want to be a fan, or do I want to be a part of the team? Because let me tell you something. Obed Edom, every time you see him, He's around the Ark of the Covenant. And every time you see Him mentioned, He's always being blessed. It's always talking about He's being blessed. Every time you see Him, He's being blessed. Why are you in this, Brother Tommy? You know why? Because there's blessings in it. And I enjoy the blessings. And I want you to have part in the blessings too. I want you to get to enjoy the blessings that come with serving the Lord. It's a good thing. I want to help people. I want people's lives to be happier. And it breaks my heart when there's people who come to this church... And yet, their lives are still a wreck. It doesn't have to be that way. And then a lot of times too, people are like, that's your fault, Pastor. You must not be preaching good enough. You must not be helping them. Listen, they got to play a part in this too. I can't make anybody do anything. I want them to be blessed. I want you all to be blessed. And you will be blessed if you're a part of the team. But not as a fan... You'll have good days and bad days, but the real blessings come from the team players. And so, are you a part of the team or are you just a fan? I hope you'll be a part of the team. So with that, let's all stand together.